This is Family Impact, a weekly ministry of the Christian Grandparenting Network, building a legacy that matters generation to generation. Here is the host of Family Impact, Kevin Harper. Well, thanks, Tom, and welcome to another edition of Family Impact, building a legacy that matters through gospel-shaped family discipleship, generation to generation. I have to tell you, I'm really excited about today's interview. Our guest, John Stone Street. It's a privilege to have you with us, John. John's the president of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Uh, he also co-hosts with Eric Metaxas on Breakpoint, a daily radio program originally founded by Chuck Colson. Uh, he's also co-host uh, with Ed Stetzer at Breakpoint this week, a national radio feature on worldview, apologetics, and cultural studies, and plays a very strategic role with Summit Ministries, uh, overseeing various aspects of that ministry and teaching as well. Uh, among all these roles, John is also an author, which brings me to his most recent book he co-authored with Brett Kunkel, A Practical Guide to Culture, Helping the Next Generation Navigate Today's World. And that, uh, that's kind of the subject matter for our conversation with John today. And with all of this, he also manages to be a husband, father to three daughters. So, phew, John, <laughs> that's a lot. Welcome to Family Impact. Well, uh, listen, thanks, Gavin. It's great to be on with you. And I'm married way above my pay grade. But not only that, I, she is, uh, we're the parents of three daughters. And we thought we were done, except my daughters had prayed for six years to have a little brother. And oh, so we had a little boy this year. So oh, we, no, I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So we added a boy to the fold. It's nice to have, uh, you know, some camaraderie in a house full of women. He's a big kid. He's about, you know, nine months old and really neat, neat. Uh, that's wow. cool. Well, congratulations on that, John. So uh, let's start with the why. Uh, why did you feel the need to write this practical guide to culture that we're talking about today? You know, Brett and I often talk about this. Uh, Brett, my co-author, if you ask him why he wrote it, he, he'd say he has five reasons. Uh, and I'll say I have four reasons. His five reasons are his five kids. My four reasons are my four kids. Um, you know, we're parents in this, you know, right, right now as well. And culture has shifted dramatically. Uh, both, uh, in both of our ministries, we both work with a lot of parents of students and students themselves. And there was this kind of real palpable sense that, um, things had dramatically shifted in our culture and culture is always changing and moving. That's one of the things we talk about in the book, what culture is and what culture is made of. But there are times when you have these kind of dramatic shifts in culture uh, that really leave you disoriented. And I think for a lot of us, uh, that happened over the last decade or so, particularly on the uh, issues of having to do with sexuality and gender and marriage, where things went from being unthinkable to unquestionable in a blink of an eye. And uh, how did that happen? And now what do I do as a parent or as a grandparent? And um, we, we felt like there needed to be some sort of kind of guide. We wanted more information on some of the issues that we talk about in the book. But we really sense that um, anyone involved in mentoring the next generation, um, you know, could, could, could use something like this. And um, so hopefully that's what we, we produced. Um, it, it, because, look, the other option is unthinkable, which is letting this generation grow up and just enter culture with no guidance and no mentoring and no help whatsoever from us. And that's going to guarantee that they're going to be victims of bad ideas uh, across the board. And so uh, that, that's really what drove us to do it. 
So we, we really have, I mean, this word culture is thrown out a lot and it probably has a whole lot of connotations for a lot of different people. When you're talking about culture, explain to us kind of what you are talking about. Define culture so we know what the context is in which we're uh, Well, you, you got to define it. It's one of the most used, least defined words that yeah. we use. Yeah. Culture is often used, uh, I think, among Christians, uh, especially those that are uh, confused and upset about the way things have changed. Culture becomes kind of the synonym for all the bad stuff that happens in the world. Uh, and uh, certainly a lot of the bad stuff that happens in the world are part of culture, but culture is bigger than that. It's culture is the world that humans create of the world, um, you know, with our, our, our values, our ideas, our institutions, our inventions, uh, our relationships, uh, you know, our creativity. What humans do is they, they impose themselves on the world and then they make kind of a space for themselves, right? And this is, you can see how different culture can be from you know, one generation to the next, and new technologies and new inventions and new ideas can radically shape uh, our culture. Uh, if you leave the United States and go to a different country, um, you know, that's a, you can kind of see, it's like being in a different world. We often say, you know, I travel to, you know, Mexico, or I travel to Australia. It was like being in a different world. Um, and, and that's the that's the power of culture. Now, a couple things about culture. Number one is, is culture itself isn't a bad thing. Uh, culture is actually a cu culture exists because God created us to make culture, uh, you know, to do something with the world in the language of Genesis to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Um, we have the ability to, to, to create culture because that's what God actually wants us to do. But since the fall, the direction we take culture can be um, dramatically uh, uh, bad. I mean, it, it can, we can create cultures that dehumanize. We can create cultures that trivialize uh, moral norms. We can create cultures that pretend as if God doesn't exist and as if kids aren't really valuable. And I mean, you can just kind of go through the list. And that's the part of culture that I think a lot of us are concerned about is, is not just that it's something that we make, but it's what culture does to us, right? Culture's power is just what it portrays to be most normal. I, and this is something that a lot of us miss. It's not, culture's not most powerful where it's the loudest. Culture's most influential and, 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 and powerful in shaping us and where it just portrays things to be normal, right? We just kind of accept it. That's it. That's right. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, if you want to know what water is, don't ask the fish. <laughs> and the, the idea, of course, is that fish don't know they're wet. They don't know anything else. And that's the power of culture. And, and that's where I think a lot of us are concerned as parents and grandparents, right? I mean, we've seen that shift in culture, but this generation has never lived in a culture in which glowing rectangles clamoring for their attention w weren't everywhere, right? I mean, they have access to more technology than any generation ever. And not only do they have access to it, but technology is clamoring for their attention. And, and obviously grandparents, uh, parents to some degree, but grandparents obviously are feeling the, the stress of trying to identify with uh, the current cultural trends right. that are so radically different from the cultural trends we grew up with. Um, and, and understanding how this really, uh, in effect, shapes not only us, but the next generations in very powerful ways. It's, as you said, it, it, you know, the, it is something that shapes us, but it's, 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 we shape it as well. And That's right. Well, and, and part of that is, is twofold. Number one is, is we have to help kids swim in these waters and navigate these waters. 
so that they don't think necessarily that everything that our culture portrays as normal is normal. That's a really hard thing to do. I mean, we've all experienced it. If we grew up, for example, in the, in the racist South, it's very difficult to extract ourselves from that and to actually evaluate the way that we think and the way that we see the world that has been created by our culture. But then on the other side, not to be hopeless and to throw our hands up and say there's nothing we can do because well, that's exactly what we can do. God made us to do something about culture mm-hmm. and to raise the next generation, not only to survive culture with their faith and with their moral, moral absolutes in place, but to make a difference in culture so that the next generation has a better world to live in than, than, than maybe they did. That, that's kind of the big vision. In fact, we have a whole chapter in the book on what success is. And we tell the story of a, a group of young people uh, at a university during the Second World War um, and, and, and how they went against culture and how unusual that was in their time and place. When everybody else was walking lockstep, figuratively and literally with Adolf Hitler, why did the White Rose, the Society of the White Rose, this brother and sister Hans and Sophie Scholl, why did they do it differently? And there's insights in there, I think, biblically on, okay, well, what is it that we want? I mean, some of us just kind of, and in other words, I don't think it's enough just to say, well, I just want my kids to survive. No, no. God wants us to make a difference in the world. And so we want to raise champions of Christ for the next generation, not just those who can make it through with kind of their faith barely intact. So what are some of those cultural waters, the most influential cultural messages that we are um, faced with today that grandparents need to be aware of? Well, that's such a great question. And and there's really two uh, things to think about here. We have a section in the book called Cultural Waves. We talk a lot about culture as water. And uh, that's that Chinese proverb, you don't know you're wet, right, sort of thing. But um, if you've been at the ocean, you got hit by a wave, you know it. And I think that's kind of where a lot of us are, right? Is we got hit by same-sex marriage. Where did that come from? Transgender restrooms. What on earth, you know? Uh, the opioid epidemic, you know, legalization of marijuana and the growth of addiction. I mean, these are things that we kind of look around going, what the heck has happened? And we, it's like we got hit by a wave. And I want to talk about some of those things as well. But before we do that, there's also the experience that we've had, Kevin, of being at the beach and kind of playing in the water, not really paying attention. And immediately we find ourselves down like 20 yards, right? Like how did that happen? And that's the power of the undercurrent. We didn't feel it. We didn't know it. It just happened. And we identify four undercurrents. And I think this is the place to begin. Four undercurrents um, that have dramatically changed our culture or changed within our culture that have created a lot of the waves that we're feeling now. Um, and I think those are, those are important ones. The, the, the first one, just quickly, is the uh, living in an age of information. Uh, now, if you go back through history, a lot of people have written about the, the shift that took place in Western civilization from le- being in an agrarian or a kind of a primarily kind of agricultural, farming, rural sort of con- uh, uh, society to where the, the moving that to an industrial society, right? It moved things from the county to the city. It moved things from a rural to an urban setting. Uh, you know, a lot of things changed in the way that we experience things like family and, and law and community and education. Well, the same shift is happening today. We're not shifting from agrarian to industrial. We're shifting from industrial to information. Uh, 
And that's changed what it means to be together. I mean, how many times do we find ourselves together as a family around the dinner table and dad's on his cell phone, mom's on her cell phone, kids on their tablet, you know, the TV's in the background, you know, and it's like there's so many different uh, pieces of information clamoring for our attention. But one of the things we need to understand is when you live in an information age, a bunch of things change. Uh, first of all, uh, a kid today has to deal with more information than we did growing up. Even I did, you did, because every single day, every single moment now, they have access at their fingertips to all the information the world's ever seen you know, through a mobile device. Uh, that's an amazing amount of power, but it also can be confusing. So it can confuse, for example, information with wisdom. I think that's one of the great confusions of our society. Uh, T.S. Eliot, back in 1934, wrote, where is all the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where's all the knowledge we have lost in information? Now, he wrote that in 1934. I think he's one of those people that if you dropped him on the planet today, his head would just explode from an angle. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to handle it. Right? I agree. I agree. Yeah, it, because um, it is very possible to confuse information with wisdom, uh, to confuse technological savvy with knowing how to think. And what happens is, is in age of information, if, if kids don't know how to discern between information and wisdom and uh, how to access information and how to think, then they're destined to be brainwashed. Because um, the most powerful ideas that come at us on a daily basis are not the ones that are argued, as C.S. Lewis said, but the ones that are assumed, the ones that are just embedded, hidden in these stories and movies and television shows and songs and, and memes that pop up on Facebook. Good heavens, the entire LGBT movement ran on the tracks of a meme, which was a red background with an equal sign and a phrase, marriage equality. And how many ideas were just buried in that little picture in this age of information and how many students were unable to actually stop and go well wait a minute before we decide what's equal to marriage what's marriage right I mean that step in and of itself would have changed the whole game and that tells us that the great antidote for that cultural shift of living in an age of information is discernment discernment is a, a key the ability to think through ideas is a necessary part of every student's toolkit if they're not going to be brainwashed. Boy, that's really true. That's, a, that's some great foundational thoughts for us, uh, John. And I know that's going to raise a whole lot of questions in many of our listeners' uh, minds today, um, particularly grandparents. It's like, wow, you know, I, I've never really stopped to think about how we got to where we are. But now what do I do about it? And um, I think we're, gonna, we're going to uh, save that for our next conversation, okay. get into a little bit more some practical things that you talk about in your book. And, and by the way, uh, you want to get a copy of uh, John's book, and you need to read it because he only has a few minutes to share with you what you really need to dig into on some of these thoughts. So where can they find a copy of Practical Guide to Culture? Well, you know, the, the, the behemoth Amazon, it's there, right? And it's available uh, in print and in Kendo. It's published by David C. Cook. Uh, you can certainly come to the Colson Center website, colsoncenter.org, and you can find there our daily cultural commentaries and all the other things that, that we do to help uh, parents and grandparents and students think through the culture. Uh, but the book there is available on our store as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, Practical Guide to Culture. 
Well, John has given us some very useful insights into culture, what it is and how it shapes us. Sometimes when we don't even realize what is going on, those cultural undercurrents. Well, we will visit with John again next time as he unpacks some practical ways we can change culture and engage with our children and grandchildren about some of the issues, what John calls pounding cultural waves we all must navigate today. You won't want to miss that session. Be sure to post your comments about this topic on our website after you finish listening. We always love to hear from our listeners. So until next time, I'm Kevin Harper, your host on Family Impact. May God bless you and empower you to be cultural shapers and build a legacy with your grandchildren that is worth outliving you because it makes much of Christ and his gospel.